Hey everybody, welcome to another another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. We got another one, a continuation of um, all the stuff that's going on in America right now. And, you know, your buddy, Trump, is 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 at it again. And I want to give you, uh, I got some great feedback in the past couple episodes. And one of them was, quote unquote, pastor then got crunk. And it turned up. <laughs> I told, I told everybody so you got something to get off the chest. So, you know, it is one thing I want to commend you on is you're not afraid of the microphone. And one thing people always say, especially media, that the microphone, some people will take it, wrap it around their neck and hang themselves. And we've seen that a lot yes. here in the past couple of weeks. Right. What certain people have done it from uh, Terry Crews doing it, continuously doing it, mm-hmm. you know, being tone deaf to Drew Brees being tone deaf on certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you agree with what he said or disagree, but he's like, okay, I got I was tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Wrong time to be talking. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you need to be quiet. This right. is, and this is one of them. If you right. can't articulate what you're trying to say, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just best to just be quiet. Absolutely. And then, and then I say get in line, but action. Do exactly. some type of action. Right, right. You're not afraid of speaking up, speaking out, and doing action. Mm-hmm. So, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. our president of these United States of America, mm-hmm. they're right now the United. On paper, right now, right, right now, to unite. And I've actually heard some podcasts this week of people talking about what would a civil war look like mm-hmm. in America. Which I want to ask you that question. This this little lead in sure. teaser, everybody. Like, how would a civil war? What would it look like in America mm-hmm. uh, in 2020, in 2021, 2022? What is your thoughts on President Trump and his inaction when it comes to? People with uh, Confederate statues, anything dealing basically with the Confederacy. Like, what is your view on the inaction of him not doing anything? You know, um, Donald Trump's uh, inaction, his um, his inability to call it the way it is when it deals with the alt right when it deals with um, neo-Nazis, when it deals with the KKK, uh, to me suggests that Donald Trump is not a closet racist, but Donald Trump is an out-and-out racist. And and let me just say this to people that don't understand what a racist is. There are some people, and Donald Trump is one of them, that will say things like this, I have a black friend. Having a black friend does not make you non-racist. In fact, some slave owners treated some of their slaves who were in the big house in a way that they could say, that was, you know, that was like my friend. And even their um, housekeepers, you know, the, the, the mammy model, right? Right, right. They, they treated them with a certain amount of endearment, but they were still slaves. Donald Trump is a racist. Donald Trump um, is the worst kind of racist because he's the kind that wants to treat us like we are so ignorant that we don't see who he really is. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, to me, if you're going to be a racist, then don't play around with it. See, I, 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 have, I have more respect for the Ku Klux Klan than I have for Donald Trump. And that, that's a powerful statement. I do. Because, see, they don't mind letting you know that I'm going to wear my white hood. Right. And I don't like you because you black. Yeah. But see, Donald Trump want to play both sides of the fence. I have no respect for him because he's a hypocrite in the way he acts and the way he thinks. <clears throat> How can you tell me that you are the president of the United States of America, but do all you can to divide America? See, that just doesn't make sense. It, 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 it gives a, um, it, it is clear that his, his moral compass does not bend toward right or righteousness. Now, okay, being devil's advocate here, mm-hmm. from, from what I've seen on some things with uh, Donald Trump, 
is he tends to be influenced of, by whoever is in front of him at that time. Like when, like when um, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian was in, in and out of the White House a lot, there was a lot of things that he said that was helping um, African-American people in prison, mm-hmm. wrongfully in prison and things like that. And he passed some bills and got some stuff done mm-hmm. while they was there. Right. Granted, that was why they was there. Then next week that comes by, somebody else walks in there and says something, and he's tweeting about what he agrees with with them. I do think he's very wishy-washy. So uh, the question I'm asking, is it really him or is it the people that's getting access to him persuading him to go a certain ways? Here's why I say it's him, okay? You know, think about the slave owner for a minute. Did the slave owner ever do anything to help black people? Yes, but only when what he did helped himself. Mm. Gotcha. Okay, that's what Donald Trump does. If it helps him, he'll help you. If it does not help him, you can forget it. Um, and, and, and some of it, I do believe, is not him, but his children that are helping him to see some things to say, you know what? You know, you, you, at some point in time, you've got to realize who votes you need. So don't ostracize them too much. Think about what he, said, what he tweeted today, for example. You know, when you say people that are influencers, right? You have the Joint Chiefs of Staff for, for our military branches. They decide that they are willing to at least talk about the pros and the cons of renaming some of the major military institutions and taking away those um, Confederate names, you know, those soldiers that were fought in the Confederacy. And Donald Trump tweets and says, He's tired of people trying to denigrate our military. <laughs> when the people that recommended it right. were the senior people in the military. Okay? Now, one of the ones he pointed out was Fort Bragg. Okay? Now, you don't have to be a historian to know that that particular general was considered a terrible general even by the Southerners. So number one, he wasn't, not only was he a, 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 a Confederate racist that owned slaves, he was also considered to be a terrible general. Yeah. So to glorify one of the worst generals in the Confederacy is bad, but it's worse to even take that person and say that we should glorify him in 2020. He was bad on all accounts. I, I, I told my wife today, I said, because uh, I said, the only statue that should be standing, mm-hmm. if there ever was one for the Confederacy, is Robert E. Lee in Appomattox and where they surrendered. Historical marker. Right. It's in Appomattox. Showing him surrendering. Showing him surrendering. It's a historical thing that took place. Other than that, I can't really see what was the what is the real point of having a you know a Robert E. Lee statue in the middle of downtown Portsmouth. Like, what is what is the whole what is the point of that? I, it, I, it, I, I'm with you. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And 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 here's the thing. Here's the other thing I'll say as well. And I've said this, and it just so happens I will be actually meeting with the mayor of Virginia Beach next week to discuss this very issue. I'll be meeting tomorrow with uh, one of our uh, our Congress uh, persons, uh, Congressman uh, Elaine Loria, to discuss this a similar issue on tomorrow. And, and here's the thing: and and if and, and you think about what those statues say, you have statues in prominent places in southern cities, and the caption for most of them say to our fallen heroes. They're called heroes, mm-hmm. right? Now, that's point number one. Um, and, and white people expect us to be comfortable with those statues being, being dedicated to those who fought to keep our ancestors in slavery. Right. Now, granted, there are some white folk that want to rewrite history and say that's not why the war was fought. 
Uh, that is why the war was fought. And matter of fact, in the Declaration of the State of Virginia and several other states, it's in their declaration that they said the reason why they were joining and fighting was to preserve the right to have slaves. It's in the declarations. Now, why would I feel comfortable going to a city that has a memorial that says they're honoring the people that fought to keep my ancestors in slavery. I bet you if I erected a statue and and, and put Nat Turner <laughs> yeah. on display and said, in honor of our fallen heroes, those white people would have a heart attack and they would not rest until that statue was taken down. Right. But they, because to them it would be an insult. They would say we were being insensitive to them. And there's no way they would allow that to happen. There's no way there would be a a, 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 um, a military installation named after, called Fort Turner, that was named after Nat Turner. Right. There's no way that there would be an elementary school called, you know, Nat Turner <laughs> Elementary <laughs> School. school. Right. There's no way it would be that way. What if we were to erect the statue of Adolf Hitler? and put it on a major thoroughfare and said, in honor of our fallen heroes, those people who were descendants of, of, of the Jewish victims of the Holocaust would not rest until the statue got torn down. So people assume because we still go places and see those things that it doesn't bring those right. kind of horrifying thoughts to our mind. And they'll say things like, well, uh, I don't know why y'all want to tear down history. You know, but then why don't we build up the other part of the equation? Right. But see, because they wouldn't accept it. Right. Right. You know, uh, I, I, I even had someone say to me, uh, and I, you know, if I wasn't saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, it would have been a whole different, you know, uh, uh, um, response. Right. But they said to me, well, I don't understand. You all come to Virginia Beach all the time. You all go to Portsmouth all the time. And you all see the statues. So... You know, I don't understand why they why you are still offended by it when you've been coming and seeing it all this time. Right. And I said had to explain to this, you know, white gentleman who, you know, didn't understand, remind me of Drew Brees. I said to him, if blacks didn't go places that they did not feel welcome, they would never go anywhere. Never go anywhere. We've always gone places we didn't feel welcome. If we didn't, we would, it would still be a segregated society. Right. So just because we go somewhere don't mean we feel welcome, you know. Uh, but we go because we don't want to give you that right to keep us out. Right. You know, but, you know, it, it just, I, I just get incensed by people who can always want us to understand them, but they refuse to try to understand us. Yeah, it's... It, it is it is it is amazing because I remember when the movie when I think it's Ted Turner had the movie done with Gods and Generals I think it was Gods and Generals with the the spin of the Civil War but from the perspective of the South mm-hmm. four hour movie now I wanted I wanted to see I went to the movie theater go see I said okay. I'm, I am one of those people that will say, I want to hear your side of the story. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue with you. I'll let you talk. And if we disagree, we can agree to disagree. I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. I can have an adult conversation. So I want to go see this movie. I said, you know what? When I left out of that movie, I said, well, I know from here on out that the Civil War was to happen. The, the first line is going to be in Richmond, Virginia. I didn't know this at the time. I wasn't, I wasn't living in Virginia. That's like, I didn't know all this was going down mm-hmm. in Virginia. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but the views of Stonewall Jackson, like when you're coming up in school, you hear about Stonewall Jackson, how great of a man he was, how much faith he had, and that's why they call him Stonewall. But then you get to see, and Ted Turner told the truth about how racist he was. Absolutely. You know, it's like, wow. You know, it's like you really opened my eyes to things. Mm-hmm. And it also opened, to my, opened my eyes up to the, the argument that they would say with the Civil War is you're taking away the economy of the South, mm-hmm. right, if you free the slaves. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the part where I always tell people. Now, me and you... Far away from slavery, 
don't know this, but we know regular black people today. Mm-hmm. If you would have freed, in my opinion, the black people and left them there and then gave them money to do the job, you think they would have left? They'd stay right They'd there. They'd stay right there. If you, if you treated them like human beings, they would have stayed right there. Right. You know? And, and, and matter of fact, the economy could have been even better. You know why I say that? Because even though they were slaves, you still had to house them. Mm-hmm. You still had to feed them. You still had to do all these things for right. them. You could have paid them and charged them rent. Right. You know, it, 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 it's not like you, you know, necessarily they would still have some money on their own, right. but it still would have helped fuel the economy. Right. It would have did more than just for that slave owner because now they could go to the grocery store. They, they could go to the store and spend money, you know, in, in the store. You know, they could give money to the, to the blacksmith. This, right. the shoot. It would have fueled the economy to do it. it, 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 it you know, it, a part of it may be money. But a part of it is pure racism. Right, yes. A part of it is that there's a huge swath of white America that does not view blacks as equally human. Right. You know, and that's the kicker. You know, um, I I was talking with, uh, again, uh, a a young woman um, yesterday, white female. She called me, we had a conference call. Uh, a politician that's a state delegate. And uh, we were having a conversation and she says to me, uh, Dr. Daniels, um, isn't it terrible, all this thing, all the stuff that's going on? And she says, how do you feel about it? And I said, the same way I felt about it 10 years ago. (laughs) The same way I felt about it 10 years before then. And the same way I felt about it in 1968. and she said, what do you mean? I said, it's no different. And she said, yes, it is. And I said, what's different? She said, well, you know, white people are marching now. And I said, how does that make it different for me? Right. The fact that you're marching don't mean that I still don't go through the same thing day in and day out. See, you may be marching a lot down the street, but if I go to Food Line or any grocery store, and if I write a check, they're gonna ask me for ID, thumbprint and everything else. The white person in front of me write a check, they ask them for nothing. Right. And what we know is statistically speaking, more whites commit white collar crime than blacks. Mm-hmm. But yet you're gonna think you're gonna check me out for every little thing. Right. right. Just because white folk are marching don't mean if I'm if I'm driving my car mm-hmm. and I get stopped, you know, that I won't get that, you know, driving while black treatment. And so I say to her, and it's not just um, whites. I said, you need to understand something about um, the state of America. You have not just brainwashed white folk. You have brainwashed black folk. Mm-hmm. She said, what do you mean, Pastor Daniels? I said, because we all know if we're working on a job, if we don't go by your culture, we don't have a job long. That's right. Right? And so she said, well, I don't, I don't quite get it. I said, in every police department, there is a culture. So the black policemen know that they have to adhere to the culture of that police department. Mm-hmm. So just like, you know, with uh, George Floyd, even though there was a man of color, even though there was another minority, they understood the culture of that police department. Even though that chief of police is a, is a minority, they understood the culture of that police department, which is white man rule. That's why all three of them were afraid to say to that white man, get your knee off of that man's neck. Right. You know, it was funny. Because I I own a business. And when I first started out, it was 90% black. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the phone, the intercom. They say say it's like 3.30. It's quiet in the building. I turn on my radio, I turn on James Brown and play it through the intercom. Mm-hmm. And listen to everybody start hooting and hollering. Mm-hmm. Fast forward 15 years later, staff is white. Mm-hmm. I ain't playing James Brown over the intercom. Mm-hmm. Because I know that that's not their that's, culture. That's not the culture of the organization. That's not the culture of the organization. And I'm the owner. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but I've even had to adjust. That's what people do, Right. right. And, 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 and if the culture of the organization is that way, 
That's what you do. So the culture of the police force is that blacks commit more crime. Yeah. That's the culture. It's not true, but that's the culture of the organization. It's not that blacks commit more crime, we know. It's that blacks are arrested more than whites and that blacks are convicted more than whites. Because when it's a black person, the, the, the prosecuting attorney makes a decision, we're going to prosecute them. Yeah. If that's the culture, that means that every time a policeman sees a black person, they pull them over faster. But it also means something else, which is that just by virtue of how the police department thinks, that means they see you as guilty before anything is done. Right. And that means they are afraid of you before anything happens, which means you're in trouble just by walking out your front door. Right. You know, I was in Virginia Beach and I guess because school's out and nobody's working, this was the blackest I've seen Virginia Beach ever. Right. <laughs> and I, I told Cheryl, it's like, I said, this is like a black beach. What is this ain't the same? I said, well, mate. So we're sitting there trying to figure out, like, why is it so black? Mm -hmm. So we come, we eat dinner, we're coming back to the room. Now it's like 9 30. Mm -hmm. And now I'm starting to see Raheem, you know, mm -hmm. got on the white beaters, pants sagging, got on Jordans. I was like, Sherry, this ain't gonna end well, because we're still in Virginia Beach. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of time because now you got now one became two, two became three, three became four, five. Mm -hmm. Now you got five of them in a group. Mm -hmm. Now me, I walk by them, go in the store, give them a head nod, mm -hmm. no big deal. Mm -hmm. Now Shirley, with the blue hair that's down there for vacation or she bought a condo, is she going to feel safe walking in past them to go to 7-Eleven to get a snack? Mm -hmm. Or is she going to call the police and say, these people are out here loitering and doing stuff, and then then we got right. a problem. Right. And especially underneath this type of you know situation that's going on in America. She's going to pull the white woman card. Right. Yeah, and we know that because like the woman that was in New York walking through Central Park and, they, and, they, and the black guy who was bird watching, right? And, and she, when she wanted to put him in his place, the first thing she did was call the police and say, there is a black man here. Right. Well, there's an African-American here and he is threatening me. Right. But obviously she was walking towards him. him. Right. So if he's threatening you, why aren't you walking away from him? Yeah. You know, and she's holding the dog up by the neck, about to choke him. <laughs> right. You know, but see, you're right. Now, here's the thing. If there were five white teenagers with long hair, with white beaters on, right. with shorts, nobody would question it. No. Right? So the only thing that would make them afraid is not what the gentlemen have on, but the color of their skin. Right. That's the only thing that would make people afraid. And that's what I'm saying is that I remember when I was um, in my, I guess, mid-30s, something like that. And, um, well, I'll take the back because I was a little older than that, probably mid-40s. And there was a group of guys behind the church playing basketball. They, they had a basketball goal. They stole it from somewhere. And they had <laughs> dragged it over here and set it behind the church. And they were playing basketball. And I was in there talking with one of the members, doing some counseling. And the guys were making a lot of noise and cursing and whatnot. And I said, so, you know, let me go out here and quiet them down because all that noise ain't going to make it when I sit here talking. And she got afraid. She said, Pastor Daines, don't go out there because you don't know what them guys are going to do. And I turned to her and I said, let me explain something to you, my dear. You can't be afraid of your own people. Right. You can't be afraid of them just because they're black, you know. So I go out there and I tell the guy, I said, hey, look, man. Uh, Y'all can't be out here doing all that cursing in this park. This is a church. There was a guy that was sitting on the ground, you know, um, and when I said that, all of them looked at him. I don't know what his relationship was. Everybody looked at him. And then, you know, whatever he, whatever a clue he gave to them, one of them didn't apologize and say, you know, I'm sorry. Who are you? And I said, I'm the pastor of the church. And I, I got some out of my office. Y'all got all this profanity going on and it just ain't going too well. Right, right. They just say, okay, I'm sorry. You might have to keep playing. I said, no, y'all play all you want, but just do me a favor. When you finish playing, take the goal and move it off the parking lot on the grass so cars can still park. 
They were like, fine, that's cool, that's fine. And I think, see, just like her, she, she is a black woman, but because they were black, the culture is, if you're black and you're doing something, you, you're going to commit a crime. Right. You know, they were young black. They just playing basketball. That's right. You know, did they commit a crime when they stole the gold? Probably so. They probably did steal it. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt if somebody bought it. But, right. You know, but you, I don't know. One of them could have bought it and, and lived right, you know, near there and just said that's a nice court to play on. But that's my point: is that we, as a as a people, we have to stop buying into that narrative that we are more violent than anybody else. You know that we are more apt to to to, to um, um, commit crimes. You know, a quick example. You know, I went to get some tailoring tell a, a, to a tailor to get some work done. Right, and had some pants that needed to be altered. Brand new pants, man. They're brand new. Still got the tags on them. Brand spanking new. I go into the tailor. She she does what she's gonna do. And then she tells me how much it costs. And then she, you know, so I'm, I'm waiting for her to give me my ticket. And she again tells me how much it costs. <laughs> Which I, oh, now I get, let me prepay, right? So I went ahead and paid her the money, right? They're brand new pants. A white guy walked in, right? And when he walked in, I, she, he gave him her ticket. And she brought him his stuff and then he paid for it. Okay, now what I gave her was brand new. What's the likelihood of me leaving brand new pants in there? Right, right. But we well, see the white guy didn't have to pay up in advance, but I did. Right. Of course, you know I ain't going. I, I will never go back to that place again. Right. You know. But see, that's the kind of treatment we get. Right. And, and you know, and our president exacerbates it. Yeah. You know, and when, so when people say things like, "We can't take these statues down," why can't you? You know, that's our heritage. Okay, but our heritage is also the uh, Native Americans. Right. We don't have statues down there saying to our fallen heroes. Right. You know why? Because you call them savages. Right. So therefore, Geronimo statue ain't down there. Right. You know. But it should be. It should be. Right. Because he really is a hero. Right. Because he fought for his country. See, they assume that this is their country, like <laughs> like they were the indigenous people, but right. they were not. Right. You know, and so even if you talk about Atlantic Avenue. You know, they, I don't go to Virginia Beach as a as a consumer anymore. I will not go there as a consumer until they stop putting Confederate flags in gift shops on Atlantic Avenue. Mm. See, I'm there with my wife, and we're walking down Atlantic. It's been a while back, and I see in a gift shop they're selling Confederate flags and other Confederate memorabilia. To me, that says you wish to cater right. to neo-Nazi, white supremacist kind of people. Yeah, You're not trying to cater to me. So that means you really don't want me here. Right. Because the items that you sell dictate who you want your customers to be. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the one case where I will go to Virginia Beach, but I will not spend one dime. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, for this, I've been there the past couple of times. Things have changed in Virginia Beach, but for the worst, for black people. Mm -hmm. Even though there's more black people walking around, when you go try to get a seat at a restaurant, they don't, you know, they put your name in the list, don't call you back. Mm -hmm. If you don't harass them to say, hey, what's, where, where are we at? Mm -hmm. You know, where are we on the list? Then they add like, oh, 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 oh. But otherwise, no. Mm -hmm. You know, and... I was like, this is interesting. I said, people are really getting uptight over this, all this stuff that's going on. With George Floyd. All right, with George Floyd. It's, it's, it's people are really getting uptight and they don't want you in there. Exactly. The truth, the truth is coming out and they, and you know, like the uh, my old coach used to say, when you squeeze a sponge, what's in it's going to come out. Absolutely. That's right. And then that's, that's the law, yeah. right? When you squeeze it hard enough, whatever's in going to come out. Going to come out. And, and that, see, to me, that's the sad part um, because it 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 sends a a message again, as I said before, that you really don't care about how we feel. You know, you you really don't. Now I understand that legislators they can't dictate what you sell. 
They can't do that. But what they can do is influence what you sell. Mm -hmm. You know, they can walk in there because legislators are business owners for the most part. You know, you, you, being a city councilman is not your full time job. Right. You know, they, they can they have business groupings where they could they, and they do meet when they can just say, listen, this does not make us a welcoming uh, uh, a city. Now, the bottom line is this. Let's say I'm a young black guy. I'm not young anymore. But let's say I was still young. I'm 20, 25 years old. I'm full of testosterone and everything. I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm, I'm Black Lives Matter through and through. Right. And I come to your your place, and I see all this Confederate memorabilia. When I walk in the door, I got an attitude. Mm -hmm. Right. But 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 if I if I'm here on vacation. You know, I gotta eat somewhere, right? So I still need to buy some stuff from you because I can't. I can. I want to drive all the way to Norfolk. Then I don't know Norfolk anyway because I'm not from this area, right? So I don't know to go to Newport News where all the black folk hang out at. Right. <laughs> I don't know to go to Portsmouth, right? I got an attitude when I go in the door. Now, then, if you don't seat me when I think you should, I got a bigger attitude. Yeah. So now I'm already boiling. Mm -hmm. So if I see some folk marching down the street. My first thought gonna be, if I do throw a brick, it's gonna be through that window. <laughs> if you make me feel uncomfortable, and I need for white America, I need for the politicians to understand that concept. If you have made me feel uncomfortable all of my life, if you have treated me poorly all of my life, anytime someone makes it feel good to get back at you, I am more apt to take that opportunity than if they don't. If you, we, we talk about pol community policing. The reason we talk about community policing is because they say if the police lives in the community, understands the community, he's less likely to use excessive force. Right. The same thing applies to any environment. If you make me feel welcome when I come, if you make me feel like you want me to be there, even if I do protest, I would be less likely to tear your stuff up. Right. Because I'm gonna remember, you made me feel welcome. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna even try to protect your stuff. Right. It's just like when you land in Jamaica, what's the first thing they tell you? Welcome home. Welcome home. <laughs> makes you feel good, it don't make you? Make you feel great. Welcome home. Like, like then you say, well, I'm ready to come back. Mm -hmm. You know, until you go down to the downtown part mm -hmm. and then you got a whole nother ball game. I still feel welcome. <laughs> I feel welcome everywhere I go. I'm, I'm just saying me. I feel because I love I love my people. Right. I, I'm just, I, I know what you're talking about. Right. right. You know? But I love I love my people even in their insanity. <laughs> I love my people, and so and that's why I'm you know as you know that's why nine times out of ten my vacations are always in locations where the population. The uh, I guess the the native population residents, ninety percent black. Now let me ask this question. So I had a whole separate conversation about a couple weeks ago about this. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna ask you the same question. If the black Americans went to, back to Ghana, where the majority of us mm -hmm. came from mm -hmm. from the slave trade, do you think the people of Ghana would welcome us? and our money in high power positions politically? Or would they just want our money because we got American dollar and that would be it? Well, I can tell you what I know to be true. Okay. Okay. Because even though some of them came from Ghana, there are a lot of them that came from like Barbados as well, right? Those mm -hmm. places. Right. But we know where they all originated from. Right. Africa. Right, because mm -hmm. you didn't just you know black folk didn't just show up in Ghana. They, right. they come from Africa, right? Right. Now, and that's I have been to Africa. When my wife and I were in Africa, we was at the Ivory Coast. We chose the Ivory Coast specifically because we knew that that's where most of the slave trade came from. Right. So we went there to you know that's who knows we may go there and see you know long lost great 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 cousin or something. Right. So anyway, we get there on the first day. We get there and. Um, we land and um, we we had the wrong idea going in. Our thought process was it was they would be speaking English, 
and French, which is their native, which is the primary language there. To our surprise, nobody spoke English. Okay. <laughs> My last French class was when I was a freshman in college, right? So we land and we're trying to get directions. And here's what the person said to me. Why are you here? <laughs> I'm thinking they'll be welcoming us. Right. No, it was the opposite of welcoming us. In fact, we were treated worse than the white tourists. That's crazy. And we had the same money. Okay? Not only did we have the same money, I was willing to tip extra. Right. These are my, my people. Right. These are my people. Right. Okay? I mean, there was a couple of people that I will say that, you know, were welcoming, but I'm just saying by and large, when we checked in the hotel, I'm standing in line, a white person standing in front of me, and we was at what I was, five-star hotel, five-star hotel. For hotel had um, five restaurants, a bowling alley, wow. movie theater, ice skating rink. Yeah, that's huge hotel. Okay, but I, I guess normally it, it normally catered to, you know, blacks from other African countries that had money. Right. And Europeans. Right. Because the beaches were just pristine, beautiful blue water and everything. Now, we didn't get in the water because my wife was afraid. But, but you know, <laughs> just pristine, you know, because, you know, the white sharks and everything. Oh, yeah. The great whites. Uh, but, you know, seals and everything just laying around. But white person in line in front of me, right, that was not speaking French, okay, speaking English, and welcomed them nicely. I get in line, the lady starts speaking French. So since I knew you understood her in English, I was speaking in English, and her whole demeanor changed. Note the smile left her. It was gone. Wow. Because she knew you was black American. She knew I was black American. That is something that I really would like to get is really speak to somebody from Africa that's willing to like you come on the podcast and like speak truthfully. Like what is the real deal? Like what is the animosity about? Oh, I can tell you what they told me. Because the guy I mean I mean I'm I'm curious. I'm talking, right. I'm asking folks stuff. There was a guy named Dolly that was there that um happened to be my guy, our tour guide. When he first came in looking for us, he was looking for a white couple, right? And he keeps walking around looking, and I just happened to say to him, are you looking for the Daniels? And he said, yes. And I said, that's us. And he bust out laughing. <laughs> and he said, you look just like my cousin. You know, and you know, of course, then we were right. joking about it. And he said, I was expecting a white couple. And I right. said, no, it's us. So long story short, after the first day, I asked his boss, I asked him, you know, first of all, because he, he was nice, and he spoke five languages fluently. Right. So I said to him, What's the likelihood of us getting you back tomorrow? And he said, you gotta talk to my boss. I talked to his boss, his boss said, if you pay his salary for tomorrow, you can keep him as long as you want him, as long as you pay his salary, okay? That meant pay him $10 a day. Wow. You know I did that. that right, like, right. I'm like, whoa, right. that's all I gotta pay him, $10 a day? Right. So I paid him $10 a day and I paid the driver. So I paid $20 a day to have, you know. Right eight-hour tours and everything. So long story short, we out, we, we, we in the bush, and we're talking and all those kind of things. And so I asked him that very question. He said, we look down upon you guys because you all were the weaker ones. Mm. And I said, what do you mean? He said, slaves, American slaves, are those who were enslaved by us. So we sold y'all right. to the Europeans. The people that we sold were the people that were the weaker tribes. You all were the ones that were inferior intellectually as well as physically. That's how they view us. Wow. And they, they in their, their minds, because of us being in this country, we have what we have. Right. Not because we're smarter and not because we're stronger, but because we just happen to be in this country. And so that's a resentment. So basically, black people are the black Americans mm -hmm. are the children that have nowhere to go. Right. It's like orphans, and then the, the people they gave you up really don't want you either. They don't want you back. 
So how do we, because that, that mentality is embedded in us and part of the reasons why we always do self-inflicting things as a, as a culture. The only, and that's a good podcast too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only places, the, the only places I have been where I really felt like you wanted me there has been the Caribbean islands. Yeah. And I think my I think that's because they too were slaves. Right. And so they identify that, you know, they are lost, they, you know, they're not in their homes either. You know, the the island that made me feel the most welcome was Barbados. You know, uh when, you know, I think like, you know, and I've been to Barbados maybe five times. The, My wallet didn't yeah. like Barbados. Well, it that. depends on well, <laughs> when, when we went together. That's another story. I would never stay in that hotel again. Okay, that was that was our robbery. Okay, but it was considered a nice hotel. Anytime right. the um, what the um, ambassador right. was at the hotel, right? But anyway, we went on a tour one time with a guy. And uh, we started out, and, and we were just talking, and, and we were. And he asked me where I was from. I told him I'm from the Carolinas, and he said we we're probably related. And I said, well, why do you say that? He said because the Carolinas um, slaves were taken from Barbados to the Carolinas for sugarcane because in Barbados that was their primary crop, cash crop, and when they needed slaves in the Carolinas. They got went to Barbados and got them and brought them to the Carolinas, especially South Carolina, right. um, for to, to process sugarcane. And he said they called them Geechees, and that's true because I right. I know that's what we call some you right. know, blacks from Carolina. You were Geechee, right. so he said so we're probably related. And so the guy just took us on a tour. I mean, it was supposed to be a half day tour. He kept us out all day. Showing us everything because he just said, you know, we probably got the same, you know, parents, but you know, same heritage. And I've always felt welcome personally in Barbados, even when we were there, like in the parade and everything. No one looked at us strange, you right, know. Even right. when we found a little shade, right? You know, we we had no business being there. Right. We had not checked into that particular hotel, right? But no one looked at us cross-eyed and said, "What are y'all doing here?" You know, right? I, I don't feel that way in America. <laughs> no. And, and, and the point, of, the point I'm getting at is, at what point do you stop fighting an uphill battle? and go pitch your flag or tent somewhere else? Well, you know, Marcus Garvey um, <laughs> gave us that out, but um, we didn't take it, right? I, my, I guess my thought is this. We have, we have always stayed where we were not welcome, always. And I, my thought may be warped, but it is, they don't own this country either. If the Native Americans put me out, then I'll leave. Right. But if, if, if your ancestors were not here right. from day one, then I'm not gonna let you put me out. But I always felt like there's always other options for us to go as black people. Like we have reservations that's right here. Mm -hmm. You know, take American dollars. Mm -hmm. If you took, if, if we took our money and went to the reservation, talked to the Indian chief, and say, okay, we'll set up shop here. Mm -hmm. Indian chief like, well, kick us a ten, make ten percent, some type of deal. Right. And they are all supposedly their own nation. They are. You know, they really are. So yeah, they are autonomous. Right. So it's we have options. But I'm gonna tell you what I believe the reason why mm -hmm. we don't do that. It's because even in our ghetto, mm -hmm. we're still better off in our ghetto mm -hmm. than what I've seen in Jamaica. Um, 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 I'm gonna say Turks and Caicos. Turks and Caicos are pretty nice, beautiful place. Right, beautiful. <laughs> you know, in, in some places in Barbados, it was like, would would a person be like, okay, you, I'm I'm ready to move, and then you show them where you're gonna move to, where you're in a um, a container, right? You'll be like, "Well, wait a minute now. Uh, no, I'd rather stay no, where I'm at." Well, that, and that's the point that the guy from Af that you know Dolly was making in Africa, right? Right. Is that their animosity towards us is that we are better off just by being in America, 
Right. You know, rather than being where they are in Africa, working harder for less. Uh, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but see, there's another reason why I don't go anywhere. Because I'm a retired federal employee. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was that movie? I'm going to get you sucked up. Right. Everybody went down to the city to protest, and they came back with jobs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's like, listen, I got to keep my money coming in, right? right? But, you know, you know, and truthfully, see, I could move to Jamaica. I could move to Barbados and live well and live pretty good. Yeah. Right? And live better than I'm living here, actually, yeah. based on the per capita income down there. Right, right. I don't do it because I have friends, I have family that I love that I don't want to leave. You know, yeah. um, the, the entire population, black population of America, could not you know fit on those islands. It would be right. it, it would be too much. I don't know if there's really a place where we can really go based on the numbers. You right. know, if, if every black person said we're going to Ghana, well, I mean, is there, is really is, is there really enough space? space? Right, right. For, you know, housing and you know public utilities and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they're not going to give us a state. They're not going to say, "Well, y'all can have Texas," right? You know, and and, and so forth. and we don't and we don't want Minnesota. <laughs> I know, Sherry. She say she's all against like something like that because she's afraid that if we all move to one particular area, that the government one big bomb, boom, <laughs> all gone. Right. You know, I don't think it's advantageous. <laughs> for us to do that, and here's why I say that, is because that would suggest that my skin color really does make me so different. Yeah. And I just don't think it does. I don't think that my skin color means that I, you know, if, if, if you need a heart, you don't ask, it, does it come from a black person or a white person? No. What you wanna know is the blood type. Right. You, you know, that's what you're looking at. Those kind of things determine if I can use that heart, if I can use that blood. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think, and and, and, I, and and my white friends always ask me this question, I'm, I'm calling them friends loosely, all right? Well, what can we do? And th- what I tell them is this, you're asking the wrong person. You're asking me to tell you how to change a white person's heart. Yeah. When I'm not white. That's right. It, it takes a white person to do that, you know, to say, this is what we need to do. It, it takes a white person to help another white person understand that I'm not a threat to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't understand is why, and I, I think that's why white Confederate sympathizers want to always keep those statues because it gives them a sense of rewriting history like they really were great. Right. You know, we didn't really lose the war. You know, not really. They, right. That's why they want to, heroes. You don't normally say people who lost the war were heroes. You know, right. You know, and generally if you fight against, if you are the people that lose, usually, you know, um, then you're considered um, people who did insurrection, of, you know, and so usually you get locked up. Right. You know, um, Japan lost the war. You know, Germany lost the war. We don't call the Japan comic, the, the Japanese kamikaze pilots heroes. Right. You know, we don't call Adolf Hitler a hero. So I, I think it's because they want to rewrite history because they don't want to be seen as losers, right? Right, And so I think because of that virtue, they want to make sure that black folk are not perceived as being stronger than them. Even though in their hearts, they are afraid of us because no matter what they did to us, we survived. Right. Okay, how much you try to beat us down, we, we did more than survive, we thrived. You know, I think that's a part of that hatred. You know, um, I, when I was um, uh, about 20, 28, something like that, before I even had children, um, I was walking out of a, a federal building with uh, one of my white counterparts, and we're talking as we're walking out of the building. We get to the exit, and I'm talking to her, and I realize she ain't there no more. <laughs> you know, I get, get outside, and I'm like, oh, no problem. No, I, won't, I go to my car. The next day, she apologized to me. And I said, well, no apology. I just assumed you had to use the bathroom or something. You turned you turn around and went back. She said, I'm sorry to tell you that's not what happened. I said, what happened? She said, when I got to the front door, I looked out and saw my husband sitting in the car. And I knew that he would be irate with me if you saw me walking out talking to you. 
And I said, why? We work, doesn't he, don't he know you work with black people? Right. And she said, yeah, but he don't know I talk to y'all. <laughs> That's a shame. Right, she said, especially a black man. So I said, well, I, I'm confused. I'm your man, I'm your supervisor. Right. <laughs> Obviously, I had to talk to you because I'm your supervisor. She said, yeah, and then she kept, you know, kind of like not really, I said, why don't you just tell me what you're trying to tell me? And she said, because apparently her husband was a KKK, um, you know, certified. She said to me that the fear of the white man is that there will be no more white people. And that's just crazy. Because every black man don't want a white woman. No. But see, that's their fear, that if you mix the races, the white race will disappear. I don't know why they care because so what if you ain't gonna disappear? No. So it don't matter what other people do, you still gonna be white. Right. But he, she said that's their fear. I, I can I, I can see that as being a truism. You know why? If they hated black people just because, with the, if they hated us without fear and put it like that, how can you have a white person a white person love to have a black person serving their food? Yeah. Cutting their grass, mm-hmm. doing all those kind of things. It, it doesn't make sense. Right. And it doesn't. It doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. So what? You know, it's it's America. It's America. Right. The home of the. Well, I won't say the home. I was gonna say the home of the free, but the home of the almost free. <laughs> <laughs> the land of the sometimes brave. But I'm gonna ask you this question, and this is it's gonna be a little deep. We might have to go to the next episode with this one. But. Can you truly be free? Not in America. No, not in America. There's no such thing as true freedom. There's the illusion of freedom. I don't care where you go. There's the illusion of freedom. But I believe there's no such thing. All right, y'all heard it here. Thank y'all so much for joining us. This is your host, Baker. Till next time. Peace.